when we apply for a job by mail, if all we're doing is sending in a resume and a cover letter, all of a sudden, the clock turns back to 1956. The honeymooners magically show up on the TV screen. And we're suddenly overcome with the urge to lace up our roller skates, throw on jailhouse rock, and go eat a hamburger from a wax wrapper out by the Studebaker. So think about it. If you're asked to apply by mail, the recipient of your application will, once again, have no way of knowing who you are or why you're mailing in some random resume unless you spell it all out with a letter to go with it, your cover letter. Streaming at you in living color from the far reaches of podcast land, America's white-collar wise guy, the career conciliary. What do you hear? What do you say? Welcome to episode six of the Career Conciliary podcast, your no-frills, no-BS forum for navigating the corporate job scene. Jimmy with you once again for what we hope to be a highly informative and engaging half an hour or so. Today, we devote the entire episode to cover letters. And by looking at the episode title, you've probably already surmised how I feel about them. That notwithstanding, we'll cover some history and theory on cover letters and talk about why they're becoming increasingly useless today. But as with all rules, there are exceptions. So we will also discuss situations when you might still be able to benefit from using a cover letter and how to go about setting one up if that happens to be the case. So if you're ready, podcast land, let's get it. Anybody that's ever applied for a job has heard reference made to a cover letter. But what actually is a cover letter, you ask? Let's rewind the clock back to the days of doo-wop and drive-ins. Yes, cover letters go back as far as 1956, when the New York Times featured a job posting for Dutch Boy Paints, who at the time was looking for an industrial paint chemist. Any interested takers were instructed to mail in their resume and a cover letter to summarize their candidacy. Makes total sense when you think about it. What was popular back then? Did Ralph Cramden scroll through Facebook to pass time when he was sitting at red lights while he was driving the bus in Brooklyn? Did Lucy McGillicuddy post risque selfies on Instagram to make Ricky jealous when he did something to piss her off? And did the average sixth grader take to Twitter to start nasty rumors about Mrs. Smith when she gave too much homework? None of the above. Why? It wasn't possible back then. Even though the physical universe was exactly the same then, as it is now, the technology simply didn't exist. This is a joke I make a lot. Think about the Revolutionary War, right? We've all heard of the midnight ride of Paul Revere when he yelled from the rooftops and yelled, the British are coming, the British are coming. In theory, he could have posted that on Instagram. He could have sent an email. He could have made a LinkedIn post about it. All the technology theoretically was possible back then, but it hadn't been found out yet. So history went the way that we know it to have gone. So because of that, back in the 50s, the only way to apply for a job was good old-fashioned pen and paper. They didn't even use computers back then. It was all literally handwritten. You'd mail your resume in, hard copy, in response to an ad, usually in a newspaper, just like we saw in the New York Times Dutch Boy example. 
But if that's all you did, if all you did was just simply mail in your resume, how would the person on the other end know why you were sending it, what it was in response to? How would it get to the right person once it got to Dutch Boy? And there's your million dollar answer, folks. You had to write a letter to preface your resume and your application known as a cover letter to set the stage for what this otherwise strange package in the mail was all about. Now that was almost 70 years ago. So fast forward to today. With very few exceptions, almost every job application is done, you guessed it, online. There's a posting that clearly outlines what the job is, and you go through, you fill out the fields, you add your information in direct response to what you're being asked, and there's very, very little opportunity for confusion. So with all that in mind, what functional purpose does a cover letter even serve anymore? You want my opinion? Practically none. We don't need to explain who we are, since our name and all our information is peppered all over that application form. We don't need to summarize our skills and experience with this letter either, because our resume, if written properly, does all of that for us already. Now, if you ask LinkedIn, they'll tell you that as many as 60% of companies and job openings still require cover letters from applicants. This is from a 2023 article written six months ago. Now, I'm not sure where LinkedIn gets their data, but what I've seen myself and what I've heard from clients of mine out there in Corporatopia suggests that the real number is probably less than 20%. Now, granted, this could vary by the job type, by the industry, by other variables. I work almost entirely with corporate job clients. Maybe it's a little different in the trades and, and some other areas. But even if, let's give this article from LinkedIn some credence. Even if that 60% figure is accurate, based on what I've seen, and I think a lot of you would probably agree, I think that is going to take a nosedive and fall off a cliff in the next few years. And honestly, I'd be curious to hear what all of you have to say about this. So leave a comment. Give me your thoughts. I'd be, I'd be curious as to what all of you are seeing and hearing out there when it comes to how often you're being asked to actually submit a cover letter. I feel like we could probably start a very good conversation around that. Now, why do I say all this? Aside from not being practical in the digital age, why else are cover letters so rapidly falling out of style? You want my opinion? You ask me? It's a matter of information overload. Look, I don't mean to keep milking this cliche, but think about the last job you applied to. Based on the industry norms, you probably had at least 250 competitors, direct competitors just like you, also applying for that same job. And in many cases, probably even more where that came from. And from earlier episodes, we know all about ATS, how that works, and all the shortcuts these companies take to weed people out and narrow down the applicant pool. You can't blame them. They have a lot to process and they got to do anything they can to streamline the process and make it more efficient. But even with all those tools and all that technology built to simplify things, people out there working in talent acquisition are some of the busiest you'll find out there in the corporate world. And do busy people who are used to skimming a job application for the most important things, for the nuts and bolts, for the critical mass only, do they really want to read a personalized diary entry from you? Look, I know plenty of compassionate recruiters, a lot of good friends of mine, people very close to me in my network work in talent acquisition. They work as recruiters. And they're great people. 
very personable, very nice. They kind of have to be when you think about the nature of what they do. They talk and engage with people all day long. They got to have somewhat of a human element to them, right? But with the sheer volume of stuff they have to process day in and day out, if they don't know you from a hole in the wall, if you're just another name on a screen, another applicant in a sea of many, 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 it's a matter of time. They don't have the time to sit there and read your personally crafted, cute and clever cover letter. They just don't. Our world, with technology being the way it is, becomes more and more fast-paced by the day. And the concept and the basis of the cover letter, as we know it, is just no longer valid, especially not in today's job market. Now, for a statistic like 60% of all jobs still requiring cover letters, for that to still exist in recent print, what are some of the situations where a cover letter might still be required? There's got to be some circumstance out there that requires it. So what are they? Well, for one, there are some jobs out there that explicitly tell you to apply by mail. Yes, they exist. And obviously, in a case like that, if that's what you're being explicitly instructed to do, then you have to follow suit. You got to follow instructions. And why is that? Well, think about it. When we apply for a job by mail, if all we're doing is sending in a resume and a cover letter, all of a sudden, the clock turns back to 1956. The honeymooners magically show up on the TV screen. And we're suddenly overcome with the urge to lace up our roller skates, throw on jailhouse rock, and go eat a hamburger from a wax wrapper out by the Studebaker. So think about it. If you're asked to apply by mail, the recipient of your application will, once again, have no way of knowing who you are or why you're mailing in some random resume unless you spell it all out with a letter to go with it, your cover letter. And if you look through newspapers, especially the local community bulletins, those little tiny local newspapers, those are great for this. You'll see, you'll still see a lot of ads in the classifieds in those little tiny publications for what would historically be considered, quote unquote, blue collar jobs, drivers, contractors, technicians, skilled trades, things like that. And usually, from what I've seen, that's most often the case when you're explicitly asked for a cover letter to go along with your resume. And based on what we just laid out, you could totally understand why. And here's another very legitimate use case for a cover letter, a career transition. Let's say you spent the first half of your working years as a teacher, but along the way, somehow you discovered that you really enjoy architecture and you want to make the transition from teaching into architecture. You're probably not going to have a ton of relevant stuff to include on your resume unless you taught interior design. So that means you're not really going to stand out much next to far more qualified candidates whose resumes are probably loaded with far more competitive experience. So in a situation like that, you have to resort to guerrilla tactics. And a cover letter is usually your best corporate weapon in a situation like that. That's when you're going to want to tell a very convincing personal story and really showcase your passion as the angle to make yourself a competitive candidate. And look, I'm going to say this, that there, all of that is a completely different can of worms and probably isn't going to fit very nicely in this episode. So if that's the kind of situation that you're in, a private consult is probably the way to go. So if that's where you find yourself, let me know. We can definitely set up some time 
to talk more about your situation one-on-one. But for now, just be aware that cover letters, while usually not very impactful for the average run-of-the-mill corporate job applicant, can still be an effective tool in special case situations like this. Now, regardless of what color collar you happen to be wearing or wherever you happen to be with your career, anytime you're explicitly asked to include a cover letter, you absolutely should. In fact, especially when you're applying online, usually the cover letter upload field will be required and you won't physically be able to progress any further with the application until you upload one. But look, don't just upload some BS filler document either. No shenanigans here, guys. I've literally seen people upload blank pages where the cover letter should be when they didn't feel like it. I've seen them upload pictures of themselves making dumb faces to try to troll the company. That's a real great tactic, guaranteed to get the job if you start doing stupid crap like that. And I've also literally seen handwritten notes in purple crayon that say, Me gusta los pancakes. That's a true story. Real simple. If asked, do the work and upload a legitimate cover letter. Let's talk now about what this should look like. And again, everything we're about to cover assumes that you're qualified, at least on paper, for the job you're applying to and you're applying online, whether that's through a third-party portal like LinkedIn or Indeed, or whether it's directly through the actual company itself, their applicant portal, their website, whatever the case. You start, just as any letter would, with a greeting. Unless you know specifically who the hiring manager is for that particular role, something like dear recruiter, dear hiring manager, or even good old to whom it may concern, all absolutely fine. Then you go into the first component of your letter, which I call stating the obvious. You can say something like, I'm writing to express my interest in the insert job title here position with insert name of the company. I usually finish this off with something positive like, I am very excited at the possibility of joining such a reputable organization in such a thriving industry. The next paragraph begins what I call the qualification. This explains two things. The first is how your academic experience gives you a strong theoretical background for this type of role. It should also state how your work experience to date gives you a substantial amount of meaningful experience in whatever discipline it happens to be, and you feel that your experience prepares you very well for all the challenges and tribulations that are sure to await you in this potential new job. Now, the most important part of the whole damn letter. At the end of this paragraph, include a sentence that says something to the effect of, the attached resume outlines my professional background in greater detail. This here is the big qualifier. The fact that your resume is attached elsewhere on the application is what lets you get away with using a very general cover letter like this. Think of it as your get out of jail free card. You fulfilled the requirement of including the letter just like you were asked, and you've also done the recipient a huge courtesy by essentially letting them know, hey, I know you have zero friggin' interest in reading this letter, so I wasted as little of your time as possible while still doing what you asked me to do. In most cases, if the recipient reads the cover letter at all, they'll appreciate it. 
Finally, your cover letter should end with the paragraph that I call the sign-off. And this does two things. For one, it reiterates how your education and your experience would make you an asset to whatever organization you're applying to. And also, it ends with a call to action, asking the recipient to please contact you if they have questions or need additional information. And yes, they'll do this with or without your permission, I promise, but it's really just a polite formality above all else. Thank them for their time and consideration, and guess what? You're done. If you want to see what this looks like, if you want a living and breathing example of a cover letter like this, I have one on my website, so head over there and check it out. As always, I'll give you the URL and all the information that you need in the outro segment at the end of the episode. But for now, let's wrap up this crash course on cover letters with today's conciliary call to action. We learned today that cover letters, by and large, are from another era. They come from a time when the postal service was king and formal written communication was the societal norm. Take a look at any social media page and tell me how today's world regards formal communication. Need we say more? So what does this mean for the modern corporate job seeker of today? Assuming that you're a standard run-of-the-mill applicant, you're applying online, and you're making a competitive run at a job that you're qualified for, at least on paper, I say don't even bother including a cover letter unless you are explicitly, outwardly required and asked to do so. You are too busy to write it, the recruiter is way too busy to actually read it, and for the most part, they accomplish a whole bunch of nothing in today's day and age. Again, the exceptions here would be anyone that's answering a job ad in a print periodical, yes, they still exist, or anyone going through a significant career transition who really needs to explain themselves. But for the most part, if you can afford to skip it, it shouldn't bear much impact on your outcome. However, if you are in a situation where you do need to write one, follow the simple conciliary formula. The greeting, stating the obvious, the qualification, and the sign-off. In most cases, this template can be used for virtually any job you apply for. And all you have to do is change a few key elements. The date, the name of the role, and the name of the company. I recommend saving a generic template and keeping those key elements highlighted in bright yellow. Then, as you change it for each job you apply for, everything stands out as clear as the Arizona sky, and you can usually make the changes that you need to make in less than a minute. And to throw in a wild card on all this, if you're really feeling ambitious and really have an untamed, burning desire for the job that you're applying for, there's a little bonus trick that's actually worked for me in the past. Listen up. Go to LinkedIn and do a people search for the name of the company and the position you're applying to, the name of the role. You'll get a lot of hits, but use your detective skills to find the person that you think is most likely stands the best chance at being the hiring manager for that particular job. Let's say you're applying for a role as manager of corporate events. Then chances are someone that's listed as director or possibly vice president somewhere in the marketing or the public relations department is probably the right person, or if they're not, they would at least know who is. Then, 
If the company you're applying to has a brick and mortar facility and you're confident that the person of interest who you've identified as the possible hiring manager is in fact based out of that facility, Google the address. You should have no problem finding it on Google. And at that point, print out a copy of your resume and cover letter hard copy and mail it to that person's attention at the address that you found. I've literally, and this is no lie, I've done this myself in the past, and I've actually had as high as VPs from major, major corporations literally call my cell phone. It hasn't always worked out. I, I wasn't offered all those jobs that I physically mailed in my documents, but there were a few who called me literally just to say, wow, I haven't seen anybody do that since 1991. I'll definitely make sure the hiring manager gets this. It's not me. I'm not the right person, but it's John Smith. So I'll make sure I go put this on his desk and make sure he sees it. Now, why would I contradict myself having spent the better part of this entire episode telling you how useless cover letters are? Why would I recommend doing such an antiquated thing like this? Because why not? What's the worst that could happen? You spent less than $2 on postage and supplies to mail the damn thing out. And maybe you don't hear anything, but maybe you do. I promise the job police are not going to show up at your house to prosecute you for coloring outside the lines. And I can assure you of this. This is a promise from my heart to yours. Nobody else out there is doing that. Nobody. So why not give yourself every competitive edge you can as an applicant? I'll admit it is a little time consuming and a little inefficient. So only do it for a job that you really want. But hey, you never know. Sadly, folks, that's all the time we have for today. But have no fears and shed no tears, because I'll be back with a new episode every week. As they say in the industry, no listeners, no show. So do me a favor and stay loyal. If you find value in my content, please leave me a nice review, tell all your friends about it, and don't forget to like, subscribe, and follow on whatever platform you use to get your podcasts. And beyond the confines of your headphones, speakers, TV screen, or any other crazy contraption with the ability to stream audio, I also provide one-on-one -on -one career assistance. So take a visit to my website at career-conciliary.net to learn more about me, book me for coaching, join my email list, or explore any of the other career services that I offer. And to all of you out there in podcast land, remember this, who's the boss in your career? You, nobody else.